Okay, good morning, everybody. We can put that off, and am I on? As Don said, I hope everyone was blessed by the virtual visitation of our precious missionary, Brother Skip Kincaid, last week. I know I certainly was, and we've been talking among ourselves about the mysteries of Jesus and the mysteries of the word. There are many things we won't know until we step across that other side and will become clear when we're in his presence. Amen. I also want to say welcome to all of our old visitors and new visitors. We're happy to have all of you here and I'm so thankful for the presence of the Lord who's our guest of honor every week. More than anything, I want his presence. I want to start by asking you a question this morning. And as you know, I always start out saying I have a bit of a different or weird message. Well, today, I think I have a normal message. <laughs> it kind of feels that way anyway. So if you will, have you ever had a holy ground experience with the Lord? That's the question we're going to look at this morning. A holy ground experience signals that something very important has happened or is just about to happen, and it's an event that is completely unexpected, unexplainable, and yet undeniable. And according to scripture, these events are rare since the words holy ground were recorded only twice one of them in the New Testament was a repeat of one of the ones in the Old Testament. But even though they are rare, they certainly do occur. We might pray for these moments to happen in our lives at times. We might say something along these lines, God, what am I called to do? What is the purpose of my life? Or what is the next step? that you want me to take. I believe that there are a few signposts that we can watch for that will actually help us to recognize when we're on holy ground. It's where the supernatural meets the natural. It's where God, a holy God, partners with us, even flawed and unholy as we may be, he partners with us. And he puts a test before us. Are we willing to accept the assignment that he puts in front of us? I think it's also important to know these things so that we don't miss the significance when it happens. Because these moments shape our destiny if we stop and we take a closer look at what's before us and we accept the assignment given to us. We'll be reading in the Bible this morning in the two places that speak of a holy ground moment. The first one in Exodus chapter 3, if you want to turn there, verses 1 through 5. And then in Joshua chapter 5, verse 15. The Exodus account is the one that Stephen recited to the Sanhedrin just before he was stoned to death. 
in the New Testament. Reading Exodus 3, 1 through 5. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and he came to the mountain of God, even unto Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the brush burned with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And Moses said these words, I will turn aside now and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. He stopped, he took notice, he looked aside to see what is the meaning of this. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, when the Lord saw him stop and look and show interest and want to know what's going on here, God called to him out of the midst of the bush and he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I, the meeting of the supernatural with the supernatural. The, excuse me, the supernatural with the natural. And God said these interesting words, do not draw nigh hither, but put off your shoes from your feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And turning to the book of Joshua, chapter 5, verses 13 through 15, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and he looked and he beheld. There stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and he worshipped and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose the shoes from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. I want to look at the shoes this morning. The purpose of wearing shoes, of course, is to protect our feet. Girls might say it's for fashion, but the actual reason that we wear shoes is to protect our feet from coming in contact with whatever dirty or dangerous substances might be on the surfaces that we're walking on. But shoes are important in other ways too, especially in the Middle Eastern and Asian countries where it is, where it was then and still is now, customary to remove one's dirty, dusty shoes before entering a home or entering a place of worship as a point of respect, just as a Westerner might remove their hat. The removal of shoes was also used as a seal to bind agreements in Israel if you remember back in the story of Ruth and Boaz, 
chapter 4 of uh, the book of Ruth, when the nearest kinsman told Boaz that he couldn't buy Naomi's inheritance so, Naomi, so that Boaz should go ahead and buy it himself, Boaz drew off his shoe and gave it to the elders that were standing round about as a seal of the deal. And in doing so, he made Ruth a very important part of that purchase agreement. God wanted Moses and Joshua, just as he does you and I, to experience direct contact with his holiness. How many felt that this morning already? I certainly did. And so he commanded that they both remove the physical barriers that were between their physical bodies and God's holy presence, their shoes, symbolizing the spiritual barrier of sin and the laying aside of that sin and putting on humility with the bare feet. God intended for them and us, of course, to be included in his plans, but it required that they stopped and examined the situation that was before them to see if God was in this, and if he was, how it related to them. And there the, 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 ex, the experience became a place of personal assignment. For Moses would lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and Joshua would lead them into the promised land. But they each had a choice to make. They had to recognize the assignment they had to accept the assignment, and they had to walk in it or walk away from it. Only the holiest God could make such demands. Because such a holy God was in their midst, the physical location itself became holy. Moses hid his face in humility and reverential fear of God, and later he was told that after the Israelites were delivered, he was going to go back to the place, back to the holy mountain Horeb, and build an altar to worship. And Joshua fell down on his face to the ground and worshiped God on the spot with his face down and his feet bare. And Joshua, if you remember, was instructed and Joshua was instructed to shout with a joyful victory, a prophetic act that was to be done before they had their seven-day walk around Jericho. So worship is clearly involved and an important part. I think I'm running out of batteries. But one thing I want to mention and not lose sight of, and I'm going to go to the piano as I, as I say this, both men were completely undone. And by undone, you understand what I mean. They were overwhelmed by the presence and the holiness of God. But I'm going to tell you a story first. And the story is about the song. I heard this last week. 
I watched a church service, as I often do on Sunday afternoon. It becomes a long day when I leave here and go home, and I love to watch other church services. And I heard this story, and it so melted my heart. Forty years ago, a pastor of a church in Louisiana was nearing the end of a building program in his church. And they were going to have the opening service in the new building two weeks after this happened. The pastor asked his 18-year-old son, who was musically gifted, to write a song commemorating the opening of the new building. And the son was so busy with all the important things that 18-year-olds can find to do, that he put off the task of writing the song until midnight of the Saturday night before Sunday morning's opening service. <laughs> so Saturday night he thought, well, I don't want to disappoint my dad or make my pastor the same one, his dad and pastor were the same person, upset, so I'll go to the church and I'll see what happens. He sat down at the piano and in 20 minutes had written the music and the words to a beautiful song. He went back home and he set his alarm for very early the next Sunday morning. And in the morning, he went into his brother's and sister's room and woke them up very early, way before church time, and said, get up, we're gonna go to the church and rehearse. And of course, the brother and sister reacted exactly as you can imagine that they did. But they, they agreed and they got up and they went to the church very early and they went through the song once only. And they had just enough time to run back home, get dressed for church and get back before the service started. He had taught them their parts, and they were ready to go when the pastor, their dad, called them up to the platform to begin singing the song. When it was his time to sing the song, he began singing these words. When I walked through the door, I felt his presence. And I knew this was the place where love abounds. For it is the temple, Jehovah God abides here. For we are standing in his presence on holy ground. The presence of the Lord fell in that place to the degree that they didn't go any further in the service. They sang it over and over and over again. And that's a beautiful story, but it doesn't end there. About 15 years later, when President Clinton's mother, Virginia Kelly Clinton, passed away, President Clinton invited the writer of this song to come to the funeral and sing it. What an odd thing. 
And when he began singing the song, the lady sitting behind President Clinton reached forward and tapped her on the shoulder, tapped him on the shoulder. And she said to President Clinton, where did you get this song and how do I get hold of it? Well, that woman was Barbara Streisand and she did get permission to record this song and she did a beautiful job of it. I've heard it many, many times. She changed two words in it. One, she changed the word Jehovah because Jews, Jews feel that speaking the word Jehovah is too sacred and they don't do it. So she removed that word and because she's not a Messianic Jew, she removed the word Jesus. But she said of this song that it was the most impactful song she'd ever heard and she recorded it. Who knows but that the Holy Spirit created that holy ground moment for the writer of this song so that it would be heard at the President of the United States mother's funeral when Barbara Streisand was sitting behind him so she could record it and minister to thousands upon thousands of people. Last year, this song had its 40th birthday, and it's still the number one requested song at all of the concerts that the writer holds all over the world, and it's said that it's been translated into every major language. The writer's name was Jaron Davis, virtually a nobody. He lived in a very humble Pentecostal preacher's home in a town of less than 9,000 people in a little tiny one-horse town in Louisiana. If they have horses in Louisiana, I'm not sure. But what an amazing holy ground experience he had. And aren't you thankful that he accepted his assignment at 18 years old at midnight the morning before the song was to be sang. Jaron has written many other very memorable, notable songs that I'm sure you would recognize. In the presence of Jehovah, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I know the peace speaker, and I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, and on and on. Well, like I said, two Sundays ago, I was watching a particular preacher that I love to watch, and there was Jaron and Becky Davis on the platform leading worship for this pastor. The preacher stopped ministering to the congregation, and he turned around to face Jaron and Becky Davis, and he said, just stop a minute. This is holy ground we're standing on right here and right now. And he proceeded to give them a personal prophetic word that said, in part, that the songs they've written to date are nothing compared to the songs that the Holy Spirit will birth in them in the very near future. 
and that Jesus was ministering healing to her broken body. Again, they were totally undone before the presence of the Lord, worshiping and accepting their new assignment of writing new and beautiful inspired songs. This family has been through so many hardships with family members, finances, physical problems. They never really saw a great success, but they accepted their assignment and they stayed faithful to God. And two weeks ago, singing, standing on holy ground for the millionth time, they asked him, how many times have you sang this song? He said, there's no way I could put a number on it. It's the most requested song I've ever sang. So he couldn't even tell. But here they were standing on another platform at another holy ground experience. I believe that anything is possible. Anything is possible when we're on holy ground in the presence of an almighty God that knows no limit or bounds. Audrey, if you could turn on the words, I'll sing the verses through and then we'll sing the chorus together. And as I always say, I'm not a singer, but here it goes. As I walked through the door, I sensed his
attention. I pray, oh God, that you help us to recognize them, Lord. And that we take our shoes off so that nothing comes between. There's nothing between my Savior and me. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for this song. And Lord, I pray, oh, I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit does birth within the Jaron couple, oh God, for Becky writes too, but that you would give them miracle songs, Lord, miracle songs that when they sing them, people are freed and people are healed and people are saved. For only you can do it, Lord. God, I ask that you go with us this week, that your covering of your body and your blood, Lord, go with each one. Keep us safe, Lord. Shine your face upon us, oh God. The light of the word, the light of the world, that it may be seen, Lord, on us. And we give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen.